Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. You can listen and subscribe to the show for free on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For network or show information, visit ByteRadio.me. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is Adam C. Hall. He is author of Divine Genius, The Unlearning Curve. Adam C. Hall is committed to helping individuals unlearn their beliefs, behaviors, and habits that shield them from discovering their divine genius, the key to acknowledging and activating their true divine self. In his new book, Divine Genius, The Unlearning Curve, Adam shares the 13 universal wisdom teachings and the genius process that led to his transformation discovered on the extraordinary journey that took him from the shores of Santa Barbara, California to the jungles of Brazil and Peru. He is passionate about sharing this information with the world. An author, speaker, futurist, social architect, impact investor, advisor, and conservationist, 24 years as a CEO and serial entrepreneur, Adam began his professional career as a self-described earth conqueror, ultimately turning to the role of earth keeper. He is the founder of three successful business development companies, real estate companies, uh, before personal and professional devastation forced him to reevaluate everything in his life. Ultimately, he began to integ- integrate a deeply spiritual and more authentic and natural approach, becoming a trained shaman and teacher of the Course of Miracles. It was then that he chose to focus on creating a company that protected the planet and particularly open space at the risk of development. As the CEO of Renaissance Capital, Adam raised one, over $1.5 billion in capital investment to rescue and conserve premier natural landscapes. He spent two decades as an impact investor dedicated to, to the quadruple bottom line, people, planet, profits, and purpose, and he founded the Earthkeeper Alliance. Adam has, dedica- has, dedica- has dedicated himself to fostering conscious evolution. Business and culture all over the past two decades through his books, Divine Genius, The Unlearning Curve, and his first book in his autobiographical trilogy, The Earthkeeper, Undeveloping the Future. His 40 keynotes and more than 80 radio and television show interviews he has done, Adam continues to seek ways to elevate consciousness. Today, he is founder and CEO of The Genius Studio and creator of The Genius Process. For more information, you can visit Adam's website, which is www.adamhall.solutions. And with that, I'd like to welcome Adam to the show. Good day, Adam. Good day, Robert. Nice to be here with everybody and uh, excited to spend a little time with, with you and bring a little inspiration to Earth. These are challenging <laughs> times, aren't they? And really, they're, they're an invitation to to step into what's greater, great, what's possible for us because there's so much possible, yet uh, let's see where we want to go because there's there's a lot of love and there's a lot of things that we can explore today together. And I'm happy to be here with you and your audience. Thank, thank you. Yeah, there, there certainly is a lot of opportunity at present to lift things up, you know. So um, we're, I'm glad that we are both doing the work to try and, and do that. Um, so I, I guess the, the first place I want to start with is um you know the the book is um about your journey um and and on many different levels but um it one of the basis um of the book is the the journey that you had from uh as i mentioned in the introduction from santa barbara to uh the jungles of brazil and peru so 
would you mind sharing with the listeners? First of all, you know, kind of um, that period in time, what was going on during that period of time when you, that, that seed for that adventure was sown? Well, that adventure began for me, uh, Richard, 18 years ago, almost to, to, to the date. And um, I had been striving and to really, I would say, kind of that, that to achieve that American dream, right? I mean, that may be a thing of the past. We don't talk a lot about the American dream of success in business, success in family, you know, success in community and, you know, making the, the, the money and kind of slaying the, that proverbial dragon. And I had uh, spent uh, much of that time to date just hard charging, uh, well, what I described as earth conquering nature. And I, I lived by a, a, what, what a man told me in my business early on that the, the, the rule of thumb in the real estate world, which I think is applicable in general to the business world, is to live by the law of the jungle, which says when the sun comes up, whether you are a lion or a gazelle, you better run like hell. Eat or be eaten. Dog versus dog. Competition win and lose. And I subscribed to that. And I lived my life according to, my gosh, I've got to go out and I've got to conquer my life in the world. And as such, I got up every day at sunrise, drove to work, and eventually I achieved a tremendous amount of success. Uh, married my junior high and high school sweetheart and three Gorgeous, amazing daughters. I even have five, five granddaughters now, Richard. It's hard to believe, whoa. but <laughs> whoa, whoa, yeah, it's right. But you have a lot of feminine energy around you. <laughs> well, for for good for good reason, because yeah. it's the feminine that's going to help us move forward. Because the earth conquering masculine is is hasn't got us. It's got us in a place where we are. But the point I wanted to share with you. I wasn't feeling good. You know, I was taking the Tums in the morning and drinking the tequila at night. And something was missing in my life. So that's when I began to ask the questions. You know, there must be something more here. Why do I need to be fighting life when I could just be in the flow of my life? Why do I need to feel moments of fleeting happiness when why can't we have are moments of joy all the time. Why does love seem conditional? So a lot of these life questions that come to us at some point in time in the journey, that was, of course, for me, the midlife awakening, the point in time where I got to say, okay, I can pivot. I can find more purpose and meaning in life. So that hence begin me, begin the journey, you know, that proverbial heroes or heroines journey to really find out a purpose and mission and cause, to really drop into, you know, what is it that I can do to be of service other than to my separate narcissistic self? You know, hopefully that makes some sense, but, and, and that should give, you, give us some idea. Of, that's what kind of catapulted me into saying, okay, what's next? And hence came the two books, the work I'm doing today, and I'm excited to share more with you. Great, good. Yeah, um, the the one what let's the the journey, the actual physical journey to Peru and Brazil um, was told to you um, by men. So I'm, I'm very curious to find out about men and you know how it is you know, that the contact started and exactly how the, the trip was presented to you. Well, thank you for that. And, and when the, the, the word men, M-E-N, is not specific to men as a gender. 
men is a archetypal energy. And I'll, let me share a little a little context to, to, to that. Because when I initially got on the path, I studied voraciously Eastern traditions, Western traditions, religiosity, and, and the church and whatnot of my upbringing. That wasn't doing it. That, that didn't really offer anything other than a gatekeeper, someone to intermediate between mm-hmm. me and my greater spirit or my greater truth or God or whatever that is for you. So I begin a journey of meditation. I begin a journey, a practice of yoga. I begin to really connect more to nature and to look more into other experiences that I hadn't had to date. And in the journeys of my meditation, I would often be seeing things that you couldn't see in the physical world. So it's like imagination. I'd be sitting and I'd be sitting out on a bluff and I would see an eagle flying out on the horizon. I mean, just think how many times you've seen hawks or birds flying on the horizon. And so in terms of uh, my meditations, I begin to listen more deeply. I begin to tune into what was happening within my own design, my own sense of uh, purpose and, and listening into that place. And it was extraordinary what came forth, Robert, because what came forth was this voice in deep meditation that called me into a place of sitting with that voice. And the voice was an invitation for 81 days to show up every morning in a meditation to sit and listen to this voice. And that voice was the voice of men, M-E-N. And that I gave that voice the name men because it's an archetypal energy in the Mayan cosmology. And the archetypal energies are representations of, say, in this particular case, men was the eagle. And in the Mayan cosmology, the eagle is the high seer, can see far. It has great vision. It has powerful vision. It can see down to the microscopic, you know, uh, you know, rodents running on the land to, to hunt its prey. So do I... I gave the name to men because it has great vision. This voice had tremendous wisdom because the Mayans called men the wise one, the ancient master Mm -hmm. that had lived these great experiences. So I begin to take this journey and follow men's lead as a guide to move into the adventure to discover these 13 universal wisdom teachings. And that led me ultimately to Peru and into the mountains and into the jungles. And, and that's, that's a bit of the journey. That's it. It's, it was uh, <laughs> quite a ride to say the least. <laughs> no doubt. I am sure. Uh, now in your book, um, since we're speaking about men and, and the Eagle representation you have in the beginning of your book, uh, it's an invocation to men um and you know it's um it, it uses a lot of eagle flying spread your wings kind of um visioning um can you tell us what the purpose of the invocation is absolutely in the shamanic traditions And in many traditions, we have invocations, and they may be rituals. You may sit around the fire, and you may also stand on the mountain, or you may sit by the the river. And and the invocation to men was an invitation to invite the power, the wisdom, the truth of men, of this archetypal energy of the eagle to bring forth 
his or her power to guide my journey forward. So I wrote that and shared that invocation. I didn't write it because it was written by uh, some other wonderful beings, but I shared it from them as an invocation to invite the power of wisdom, the power of vision to come into the presence of the journey. So when you read the book, that you can invoke that power yourself because everybody has the power, Richard, to bring in these energies, these archetypal energies into our field of reference to help those energies guide us, not tell us what to do. We get to decide what to do, but to help us bring their wisdom and guidance. So I put that invocation there because it's a very powerful invitation to the reader to bring forth greater vision for their lives. In other words, instead of getting stuck in the weed of our lives and the challenges and all these things, we can really step up out of those weeds and we can step into a greater vision and we can reimagine the life that we're living. And that was the intention that I set out to. The life I was living wasn't working. I wanted to reimagine, reinvent, reconstruct a new way of going forward and one that's, well, really brought a lot of fulfillment and joy into my life. Yeah. One of the the topics that you discuss in the book, too, is the idea of um, death and rebirth. Um, um, And, you know, I believe at one point near the introduction there was something to the fact that you basically die every day and are reborn every day. Um, So can you... Um, explain. I'm, I, I'm assuming there's probably a shamanic perspective, but can you share with us that um, that idea of uh, the you know death and rebirth, and, and you know that it's not just a one-time thing. Well, absolutely. The, the whole idea of death and rebirth can be summed up in transformation. If you want to transform your life, if you want to manifest uh, uh, new things in your life, you want to create a new experience, you want a new relationship, you want to evolve your existing relationship, you want to manifest more resources like money, you want to evolve your sense of knowledge and wisdom, You want to have a greater life experience. It requires a death and a rebirth. In other words, we must transform ourselves. And in my case, I needed to transform myself from that proverbial earth conqueror that wasn't feeling so good, had a lot, but something was missing, into something that was more fulfilling. And, of course, we don't know what that looks like exactly, Hence, we must have the trust and the faith to transform our lives. So when I speak of death and rebirth, it's probably one of the most powerful processes that we have as human beings. Every single human being has the power to transform their lives. And it's not about yesterday. It's about right now. You can change your life right now. And that's what I needed to do. I wasn't about to wait another year or another decade or, God forbid, another lifetime to you know, transform myself. And the key here is, is it requires a death. In other words, it requires a letting go of those limiting beliefs and those pieces of our lives, be it relationships, be it our work, be it the places we live, the places we go, what we eat, it it requires us, uh, Richard, to let things go that no longer are serving ourselves. In other words, why would you want to stay in in an abusive relationship? Or why would you want to eat something that is really maybe poisoning you or just doesn't really serve the nutrition that your body needs. So we let it go because in the letting go, 
the rebirth takes place automatically. In other words, it, 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 if you take a piece, uh, let's just say in your home, and you got a, your home is full of a lot of things. It's kind of cluttered up. It's got stuff. It's got furniture. It's got all this. And it feels just like it's static. But in terms of saying, let's move something out. Let's give something away to create more space within our home. Then something new could come in. Otherwise, there's no room to have something new come in. So if we're our body and our mind and our spirit is our home, it requires us to let something go. It requires us to let die away and surrender that which does not need us. Therefore, we get to rebirth ourselves. Does that, does that make sense? Oh, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I, um, I agree with, with the, uh, and, and I've you've gone through transformation myself as far as, you know, making major changes and, and um, different paths. You know, basically a, uh, there's a fork in the road and there's a, a, a different, a choose a different path, kind of maybe a little bit different from where I was headed. Um, now, you, you were talking about letting go and we're talking about the transformation process. There was one, um, another line uh, in the book that kind of stuck out at me that had me pondering, um, and that was one when, when you talked about um, free will. You know, and you were talking about, you know, doing, you know, being able to doing the transformation. But you talked about free will and that at one point you had to let go of free will. Um, let's see, what was uh, the actual quote? But you had to let go of free will in order to um, receive divine will. So, can, you know, and, and when we think about making changes, you know, that's that we think of free will, being able to make choices as to what we're going to do. So can you talk about how that, how free will, divine will kind of fit into that transformation process? Well, that's an excellent, excellent question. And, uh, and it's really important to know the difference of the two. And what okay. I share in Divine Genius, the unlearning curve, is that we have the ability, as we know, of free will. This is the gift of being alive in our body and experiencing life as we know it. We get to choose our life experience. And it's given to us to make that choice for a a very specific reason, because if we, if, if we did not have free will in terms of our physical body, we would be unable to choose to ch- transform our lives into a place that's authentic, into a place that is really our truest self. In other words, when I grew mm-hmm. up, I was conforming. I, you know, had seemingly role models. I was supposed to be a man. I was supposed to go to work. My family said to do this. My father said this is the way to do that. My mother, you know, the whole thing, the whole shebang. And the idea here is that we're given free will because we get to choose that we can not just live an old story in what we were told to do, but we can write a new story, so to speak. We can choose something new. We can transform our lives. We can consciously evolve into our most authentic self. Okay? If you're with me, mm-hmm. so here's, yeah. here's where we are. So, so we get to do that. And here's the beauty of what I, you brought forth and you presenced around divine will. Because once that free will is chosen and once we engage in transforming our lives, whatever we decide to do, there's something remarkable that happens, Richard. We're no longer the victim of our life circumstance. In other words, we don't play a role that so-and-so did something to me 
that life is treating me poorly or my husband or my wife did this or my mother or father did that. That is the victim perpetrator rescuer type of mentality of which we all function in to one degree or another for much of our lives. So free will gets to say, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take my power back. I'm going to step into my authentic power, the power of our heart, the power of our mind, the power of our soul, away from this idea of being a victim, away from this mindset of separation of nature, separation from each other, and we can step into this greater authentic power. And when we step into our authentic power of our authentic selves, we step into a place of divine will. And when we come into divine will, this is, this is a remarkable experience that I'm having today because it it's allows me to be in deep trust of my heart, deep trust of my soul, of spirit, of the greater divine genius that holds us together. Some call that God. Some call it greater being, whatever it is for you. But we come into a place where it is given. A Course in Miracles says it's a place that we need do nothing. doesn't mean we don't do anything in the world. It just means we don't need to control our lives. We don't need to play victim uh, in our lives or perpetrate ourselves and our judgments upon others. We can surrender our idea of feeling guilty and not good enough or unworthy. And the journey into, from free will to divine will allows us to come into a place like an inner sanctum, an inner temple, a place of absolute peace and unconditional love and know that we need to do nothing. And this is the divine will. This is what has been given to every single one of us. And we get to choose. Do we want to live in a life that we're continuously trying to hold on, to survive, to meet the chaos and challenges of this world? Or do we really want to engage more fully in a place of divine will, where we're held, where we're loved, where we feel that inner peace, and then we come into the world and have a whole new experience. So hopefully that's making some sense between the differences between divine will and free will and how we have the power in our free will to choose into our place of divine will where it's already given. Your thoughts yeah. Now, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that was one of the reasons I, I brought it up because I just found it um, interesting. I mean, I've always, you know, had that uh, curiosity with you know divine will versus destiny or you know predetermination kind of thing. And um, from what you're saying is is that free, basically free will is the uh, I guess the the ultimate um, choice. I mean, we have that ultimate choice of free will. Now, with if our free will leads to actions that are consistent for the our greater good and the greater good of all that divine will, then it's easier more peaceful, less stressful, that, that, it's, um, that it adds a, a, a bit of a less resistance to our choices and, and in our direction. Is that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it removes okay. the resistance. In other words, you become the flow. In other yeah. words, life is not happening to you. Life is happening through us. We become our own sense of ease, of grace, as they say. And I really like how you're phrasing that, uh, Richard, because it's really about get, it, creating a lifestyle, a life experience, it, it, to put ourselves in a way 
that we recognize our the abundance and experience the abundance of the of the universe. We live in an abundant universe. Everything is possible here. Nothing is impossible here. Easy to say, but when we move and we utilize our free will, our innate power of, and we decide we do not want to live in an ego separate mind that struggles, that dies and diseases, that experiences the chaos of the world. That's there. But there's a whole mm-hmm. other world. There's a whole other experience that is far greater in divine will in a far more ease. And that's the offering of a divine genius, the unlearning curve. Because when we unlearn that old mindset and we embrace this new greater totality of the divine genius, the genius within ourselves, who all of us have this, that we embrace that, then things are at ease. They're more graceful. They're more abundant. They're more trusting. There's certainty. It's safe. It cannot be threatened. It doesn't need to be defended. It's just the journey of journey of of that transformation of letting that go. And that's the whole purpose of what I wanted to share in the Divine Genius, the Unlearning Curtis, to offer these thirteen wisdom teachings during my time with men that I went on the adventure to offer those to the world and offer a process that allows people to begin, take their power back, take your power back, your power to choose in free will to step into your absolute authentic power, your, your authentic self. And that is the place of divine will. So it's, it's a very powerful journey. And these changing times, Richard, I think necessitate that each of us make this choice. You want the old way and the same old thing? Or are you ready to step into your truth that you define? Not some noisy media or guru or teacher or anything. But you are the, you are the teacher. You are the, the guru, so to speak. And it's time to choose. And I, I don't, are you seeing that out in the world that we get to choose? That this, that it, it, we're kind of at a choice point, so to speak. Oh, boy. Um, no, I mean, right now it, it's looking, well, I mean, well, it's just a very personal, you know, perspective. I mean, if, you know, I think most people in, in, don't see choice, you know. I mean, they see life circumstances as being dictated, you know, and they're, um, like you use the word victim, I mean, they're a um, – uh, they're just a, a result of all of the, all of the stuff around them. In other words, I mean, there's the, the power is outside versus you know empowered, empowered. So, um, but yeah, you know, and, and you know, it, I can see where it's just uh, real important to, to get to that um, authentic self. So, but we're going to take a we're about halfway through, so I want to take a, a real quick break, Adam. And um, I do want to invite listeners if they want to call in with any questions, they can call in at six one nine seven eight nine four three five nine. Or if those in, listening live in the chat room have any questions, um, they can uh, type them in there. And then when we come back from break, um, I'm glad you mentioned the, the thirteen um, universal wisdom teachings because I want to you know kind of take a dip into those and you know kind of give the, the listeners an idea of what some of the teachings are, okay? Sure, sounds great. Great, okay. Everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this very brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,600 shows that we have had during the past 12 years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, nature photography, calendars, and 5x7 photo greeting cards. 
Our show is a free podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms on the top of our homepage. Our website, ByteRadio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest is Adam C. Hall, and he is author of Divine Genius, The Unlearning Curve. And again, you can find out more um, about Adam and all he has to offer uh, at his website, which is www.adamhall.solutions. Okay, with that, we're back, Adam. Nice to be back here with you, Robert. Let's see where we want to go from here. Yeah, so the 13 universal wisdoms, um, how did they come about? Well, I, I, I'd like to just begin by, by just referencing wisdom in general. And okay. like, what, is, what is wisdom? You know, we often think of our elders as being the wise elders. And it, that's a bit of a misnomer because every single one of us has wisdom to share. And the key there is sharing your wisdom. And wisdom, what I found, came, comes through not book learning or information, but really life experience. Mm-hmm. In other words, as you move through your life, we experience things and we learn, we grow, we stumble, we fail. I, I did plenty of stumbling and, and, and failed, failed many times in my <laughs> yeah. life. And, but, of course, Robert, those kind of things can also turn into our greatest successes. And when we are able to take our greatest challenges and seemingly failures and create a new experience from those, that is what creates wisdom. And um, I just had my latest grand uh, grandchild, uh, baby Jada. She was, we just celebrated her first birthday uh, a few weeks ago and I'll be darned she has wisdom her (laughs) wisdom is to remind her grandpa pops (laughs) I'm called (laughs) that to, to be magical to remember the magic of the child to be curious what's around the corner what's this experience and it's such a, a delight to have that experience, Robert, because it's, I seemingly lost that for a lot of my life. I kind of was just became a little bit hardened in terms of survival, in terms of just having to, to function in the world and mm-hmm. do the things we do and to feel the kind of pain and challenges that, 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 that I, I, I face and many of us face now, perhaps more than ever. And so we want to take that wisdom and it becomes knowledge. Through the experience, it becomes knowledge. So the 13 universal wisdom wisdom teachings that were brought forth by by men um, are universal in nature. In other words, they're common teachings to all of us. In other words, the wisdom is applicable to everybody. Um, Whereas some wisdoms are maybe only applicable, say, to you're talking to your son or your daughter oh, and you mm-hmm. want to advise them, yeah. you know, you know, to be to, to be, you know, to be safe out in the world or whatever we're doing. As mm-hmm. Whereas these wisdoms mm-hmm. are original, they're universal, they're applicable. And that came through through my 81 day experience of listening to men and also 
connecting with the deeper inner work that I was doing. In other words, taking my inner learning of A Course in Miracles that I've been a student of and teacher of for, for much of the last 18 years, taking the inner wisdom traditions as a whole, the Buddhist traditions, the Taoism and other traditions, and incorporating those along with the shamanic journey and bringing those forth in a way that these wisdom teachings are very accessible, but they have the power immediately transform the reader's life. And, 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 and the key there is that power is a choice that the reader can have because when they take that wisdom and they show up in their journey to create an experience around it, then they're transforming their lives of, 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 of their family, of themselves and their community, and the world for that matter. And I think we all know it's time to transform the world. So those teachings can really help each of our readers. And we can talk more specifically about any of those, but let's see where you want to go. I'm happy to go with, go with the, the flow here with you today. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I agree that the, the teachings are um, – you they, they can fit anyone's life in any situation. You know, there's there's something to be learned in, in them. Now, yeah, I do want to talk about a few of them. Uh, one of them, actually, let's start with the first one, um, which is true forgiveness. Um, you know, obviously, you felt it was important to have this one first, and I'm not sure if men gave it to you first or, or not, but as far as order. But tell us... Um, what distinguishes true forgiveness from just forgiveness? Well, thank you for that because because the forgiveness as we know it really isn't forgiveness. I mean, think about it for a minute. Somebody does something to you. Something, some event happens in your life where something somebody does something to you, or you do something to somebody else. And what happens in that practice of forgiveness, as we typically know it, is we judge the other person for what they did. You know, they're an asshole. You know, they did something terrible. And this is not to deny what happened, but it's just to say what Mm -hmm. happened. So we judge the other person. And in the judgment, we're also the victim of that other person's action. And in the victimhood and in the judgment that we are innocent and they are guilty. And when we decide to say, oh, I need to forgive that, you know, I just, I'm going to forgive them. I just want to let it go. It does not resolve the dynamic. It doesn't free ourselves from the event of what happened. Because oftentimes these traumatic events or these moments, and they cannot be, they can be very little things. Somebody could say something to us when we were little. I know that happened to me, and I, I didn't feel, I felt ashamed. I was humiliated. And I carried that for much of my life. And all of a sudden, these events add up. And in those events, as they add up, we begin to live the past. Our decisions, our thoughts, our belief systems are designed around these events of our life. So that form of forgiveness does not work because it doesn't free ourselves into our authentic self. So let's talk about true forgiveness and what is put forth in the book. Because true forgiveness is not about forgiving somebody for what they did. It's about forgiving ourselves and them for what we did not do. Let me explain. What we did not do is we forgot that we're both human beings. We forgot that we have a connection just as one heart to another. We forgot all about that oneness and that interconnectivity. 
And as a result of that, we judge, we blame, we blame ourselves. We feel like we're miserable human beings. And in that journey, the idea of forgiving others begins with forgiving ourselves with this true forgiveness where we can recognize that I must forgive myself first and foremost. And Robert, in that process of forgiving ourselves, then we can truly forgive another person. We can forgive the event that happened. And the Buddha once said, to understand everything is to forgive everything. So this practice more than any other practice is number one in my life. I believe it's the most important thing that we can do as human beings is to forgive ourselves every day. Forgive ourselves even moment to moment. You know, I was driving down the road the other day and somebody cut me off and I started to, you know, started to say, you know, what a jerk, you know, and and to feel that reaction. And I immediately I said, you know, I need to forgive myself for that. I, I don't want to create that energy. I don't want to create the cortisol mm-hmm. that comes through stress of that. Do I really want to be engaging with somebody that was, is whatever they're doing? I don't need to do that. I'm going to forgive myself for even judging that. And, and, it, and, it, and it's let go immediately. So this practice of forgiveness guides all the 13 wisdom teachings. It guides my personal life. And I believe if you don't do anything else in, in, in life, that if you're in a practice of forgiveness, you're going to free yourself, like the Buddha said, into everything. Because therefore, you're no longer attached to what people, yeah. other people are doing and what the world says. Does it make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. You know, and the one um, aspect of that that I think um, pops out to me is is the judgment, you know, self-judgment and, and judgment of the others, and judgment of the situation. I mean, the judgment period, you know, um, that uh, creates, it just sets up a, a, a win-lose kind of scenario, right? You know, or a, uh, an anger, you know, or, you know, passive-aggressive kinds of responses. So um, it, it just seems that, uh if we can let loose of judgment, you know, then we're on our way to being able to forgive authentically. Yes, 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 yes to that. And in letting go of that judgment, we let go of the guilt. We let go of the thing that is really kind of like silent, the silent silence of not feeling good enough, the silence of feeling ashamed, this peace that senses of guilt that keeps us locked into an old way. And the power of this true forgiveness process and and the offerings, the book, Divine Genius, The Unlearning Curve, it changed my whole world. It changed my whole life and yeah. continues to do so. It's a practice. It's, it, yeah. it's a practice. And I, I don't pretend to be in any, anybody or any different than anybody. I'm just in practice of these wisdom teachings, and I'm humbled by the, just receiving them. And, and, I, yeah. and I'm honored to be able to even share them because I, I, I'm 60 now. The more I know, the more I know that I really don't know very much at all. <laughs> I know. It's not the truth. It's true. It is true. Um, so uh, I'm going to talk about a couple more. Um, one is destiny. Um, it was the the eighth yeah. in, in your book. Um, how we, how would you describe uh, again destiny versus and I'm not, maybe that's not versus but destiny with in with regard to free will and is do you feel that 
what I'm thinking is, is that, you know, after our discussion is that my, my, my thought is that destiny is kind of like the divine will, you know, that, uh, that that's the kind of thing that we can work toward, you know, or incorporate into our lives and, and work with um, or not. Um, so how would you, how would you describe destiny? And is it, is this one of those things that is, um, maybe uh, not necessarily predetermined um, or 80% chance it's going to happen, you know, that kind of thing. Well, it, it, it's, it's, it's a perfect place to put it in context of free will versus divine will. Okay. Because in free will, we're living primarily an experience of fate. We're living in a world where things are happening. We seemingly are experiencing that we're the victim of the world or we're perpetrating the world or we need to be saved in the world. And free will gives us an opportunity to move beyond the fate of the world. Um, And that in and of itself is a place that gives us not simply hope, because hope is kind of... Eh, kind of weak in its own way. But it gives us the faith and the trust to know that, my gosh, that there's that I can be, determine the future that I want to live. I have a say and I can make a choice with my free will to choose a life not simply of being fated, but also a life of being destined. Now, we don't know our destiny. We get to write our destiny. And this is a key thing, uh, Robert, because in that writing of our new story, you get to write it the way you want to write it. In other words, you get to co-create destiny. And that is the beauty of what's happening right now. The story of our collective paradigm right now, our collective zeitgeist, one of climate change, uh, COVID, uh, economic challenges, you know, still remnants of war, and all these things that have emerged in a great patriarchal time, while that's coming to an end, and the data and everything doesn't look very promising, but but I want to remind everybody, the outcome is one that you get to determine. You get to write the outcome. And in other words, we get to be the co-creators of our destiny. And we do that individually, and we do it collectively. And in the book I write about it, in the teachings, you are actively involved as a co-creator in destiny, consciously evolving your existence into being. When you activate Mm -hmm. destiny, you become the co-creator of the destiny of humanity. That's power. That's authentic power. We don't need to save the planet. We just need to embrace our power to be the co-creator of our destiny. That's all we need to do. That's what we need to do to each and individual because that's what is going to make a difference. I know as I'm living in that co-creative experience, that I always have that power. When I slip back into the struggle or the challenges, I am reminded that I'm not living a life of merely faith, that I'm also the co-creator of destiny. So I embrace that for all of us today. I invite us all to, to, to come into that experience. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, when you mentioned hope, <laughs> I had to, you know, you're going, huh, <laughs> I have, um, I've pondered that quite, quite often. And to me, um, hope is, is um, you know, kind of trying to put, or putting out um, a, um, a belief of what we want to happen, something, you know, I guess positive usually, but we want to happen. Um, but in my opinion, it always carries a kernel of doubt. 
And then you use, yeah. you use the word trust afterward, you know. So, I mean, it's like, you know, trusting in what is versus hoping. Um, and, and, but, you know, I, and I recognize that, you know, there, that contains a kernel of, of, of doubt, um, which, you know, I mean, sometimes it's hard to feel fully, you know, invested in trust. You know, for some people who have trust issues, um, you know, trust can be sometimes difficult to, to reach. Um, so sometimes hope is, is a good stepping stone, I think, to that. Um, so, um, anyway, so, you know, I, I try to, like, whenever I find myself thinking, I hope, whatever, you know, then I just stop and think, no, wait a minute, let's change that up, change that around a little bit and, and re- remove some of the doubt, you know, and just recognize, you know, that is what is going to happen, you know, and what I want to happen. I just, you know, work toward that and whatever happens, happens, you know, and, and, um, you know, go with the flow kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Well, I, I'm with you uh, on the hope, and as I shared, it is a stepping stone. And this is not to say for the audience and people listening to not have hope. This is to say no. a, 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 an invitation to leap into what is in your power, which is the trust to move forward. Because we can easily get stuck in the idea of hope. And I think it's powerful mm-hmm. to, to invite everybody to, to, to really ask, you know, do, do you have the audacity to embrace your power, to let your soul out, to share your story and your genius? And in that audacity to embrace that power, embrace that truth, it's authentic, that authentic self. Life is not about fate and hope anymore. Life becomes about trust and destiny and co-creation. And that's available to every single one of us right now. It's the power of, of intention. I just got off a 40-minute one-on-one with Lynn McTaggart, her thing is the power of intention. I encourage everybody to check Mm -hmm. out Lynn McTaggart, the power of intention. And Lynn and I went right into this power of our intention. And this is what I'm offering today is to invite each of us to have the audacity to let our soul out, to let our heart out. To, uh, to show up, to embrace our authentic self, our authentic power, to take hold of our own genius, as I put it forth. This is our genius, and everybody has that. Nobody, nobody doesn't have that. We all have the power to choose that. And I'm excited to really be moving into a time that's not about hope, but it's about trust and having the audacity to live our most fullest, most purposeful life. Absolutely. Well, Adam, our time has come to an end. Uh, I, this hour has flown by, and we didn't get a chance to talk about the genius process, but people can get the book and learn about that firsthand and, and go through the process and um, also learn about the other um, 13 um, experiences uh, that uh, uh, universal wisdom teachings, the the other ones that we didn't get a chance to talk about, which is there's quite a few, Um, even evolution and involution, very interesting. So, but, but people have to get the book to find find out about that. But I want to thank you for your time today, Adam. It's really been a treat. Well, it's been wonderful to be here with you, Robert. And if you go to my website, www.adamhall.solutions, you can get, these a download on these 13 wisdom teachings and i'm offering that just to to give to everybody because it's about sharing and i'd like to offer you if you go there you'll be able to see a place to put your name in and get these 13 wisdom teachings and to help create abundance in your life and fullness in your life and i wish everybody the best on the path and on the journey blessings to to all of you be safe and look forward to further discussing any of these things, feel free to reach out with to me any, any time. Take care now. Great. 
Thank you. And also um, on your website under the contacts, I noticed that you're on uh, Facebook, you have a YouTube channel, and also Instagram. So people who use those platforms can join you on those. So, again, thank you, Adam. It's really been a treat. Well, thank you, Robert. Be well. Take care now. Thank you. You you as well. Again, everyone, today my special guest has been Adam C. Hall, and we've been talking about his new book, Divine Genius, The Unlearning Curve. Again, you can find out more about uh, this book as well as his other books and teachings, also about the Earthkeeper Alliance, and, again, connecting with him on social media. All of that is available at his website, www.adamhall.solutions. So, everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, Amazon Music, and Audible. To follow our show on any of those platforms, visit ByteRadio.me and select the one you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.